Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. We want Jesus to be the message in everything we do. We are those who look to him. Now, here's David Perkins. Father, we love you. And God, I just thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for, God, this spiritual journey through the book of James. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing, Lord, in our lives as we try to apply these things and activate our faith and God, tame our tongue and do all the different things that we're reading. And we ask, Lord Jesus, for your help because on our own we'll fall short. But with your help, we will be able to live like you. And so we ask that you would help us. We pray that you would open up our hearts now as we study your word. We honor you and we love you. And all of Radiant said, amen. amen. James chapter 5, verse 13. Here we go. Let's read it together. And then we'll kind of pick it apart. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So obviously in this text, in these seven verses, there's a whole lot there. We're gonna swing the bat at just a little bit of it and hope we hit the ball and just get some of it because there's a whole lot there. But I think one of the things that's powerful here is over and over again, James is talking about this idea of going to God, going to God first. Have you ever had someone in your life that you love so much, that you care about so much, that carries such weightiness, such enjoyment, such intimacy, such closeness that you want them to hear everything about your life first? In other words, the, the significance of the relationship causes you to go to them quickly. So for me, uh, that, that person has been Renata for a long time. Renata and I got married in 2000, May of 2000. And in May of 2000, Renata had the thought that she was going to get married to a uh, unemployed religion major. But in May of 2000, just before I graduated from college, the week before, I got a phone call from Colorado that said, you're hired. And this is pre-Renata and I having cell phones. I, they existed, we just couldn't afford them. But other people had cell phones, but we couldn't. So I decided the first person I wanted to know was my fiance. We were only a couple weeks from getting married. And so I decided to go to the restaurant where she was a server and I walked in and I found her and I looked at her and I said, hey, guess what? I got a job, we're gonna get married, I'm gonna graduate and we're moving to Colorado that fast. And she looked at me like I was crazy and she smiled and she said, awesome, sweet. Because it was like, before I tell anybody, man, I want, I want you to know, you're, you're, you're a big deal, like I'm looking, I'm looking to you. And not just good things here, we've got James kind of talking about not just cheerful, but also the suffering part. 
It would be the same story, 2004, working at that same church in Colorado. And man, I had this, I had my heart set on a certain area of ministry. And, and it was a, it, it, it was, there's a, a few guys that were um, all trying to vie for that same position. And I thought I was a shoe in because I was smarter, more talented than those other guys. And, uh, and I thought I was going to get it. And then, and, and then I didn't. And it was heartbreaking. It was hard. And so at that time, you know, the first person you call when you're going through a hard time, for me, I, I call Renata and just say, man, I'm, I'm hurting. I can't, I'm in shock. Like I didn't get, I didn't get the role I wanted and, and it's hard. And, and that's kind of the idea here with James is James is looking and he says, in every situation, the person that means the most to you, the relationship that is most significant to you is your relationship with God. And so right here, he's kind of, it's got this, this are you suffering? Pray. Are, are things going well? It's, you cheerful? You happy? Another version says happy. You cheerful? You happy? Praise or pray. Look to God. You, you, you sick? Things sick in your body? Go to God. And that's the big idea here in verse 13 is this start with whatever circumstance, whatever you're going through, look to God. Whatever challenge, whatever praise, Whatever it is, the response is vertical. I go to God first. I pray first. Well, my temptation when I'm suffering is to post it on Facebook. Ha, I am ticked, tell the world. No. Well, when I'm suffering, my temptation is just kind of go get isolated and get even. Or you can pick a number of other things. Here is the big idea that Pastor James, pastoring in Jerusalem, makes extremely clear. Here's what you do. When you are going through suffering, you look to God in prayer. When you are celebrating and things are going well, you thank God, you praise, and you look to God in prayer and you thank God. And when you need healing, when there's something wrong with your body, man, go to the elders and have them pray. The point here is that consistent idea is go to God. So I just wanna ask you this morning in your situation if, how you can apply this, how you can take this text and look at your own life and say, in what way are you suffering? In what way can you go to God in the midst of the challenging circumstance that you're currently walking in? I think probably the greatest example of praying in the midst of suffering is Jesus. And I know you're like, David, as we've gone through James, I think you've talked about suffering like four different times. I'm just reading the text. And that's kind of the fun thing about just reading through the Bible like this is I didn't bring that up. James brought that up. It's just right there. And I think it's significant for us because I think we live in a day and a time where that part of Christianity is often pushed aside. Yet those who have followed Jesus for decades would undoubtedly say there is hardship. There is a suffering element there is a voluntarily foregoing of some of the pleasures of planet earth in order to be faithful as a disciple. And so I'm suffering right now, see, I'm telling you, sometimes you're preaching and stuff falls down and you go through hardship. It's embarrassing, but I'm doing this for Jesus. Anyway, but that's, that's the big idea here. And the, I think the example, I think the, the person who does this best we would see is, is Jesus because one of my favorite text in the scripture is Jesus when he's in the garden. And Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, he's about to embrace that suffering like we've never known and we will never know. And so not only does he carry the sin of the world and not only does he physically take on 
pain, but he's even sweating drops of blood as he's thinking about and, you know, praying about going to the cross. And in that moment, if you can, if you can imagine Jesus I mean, getting on his knees and he's crying out to his father and his friends are about to leave him, desert him. And, and not like just casual friends. The, it's not like we would think of friends. It's, it's Jesus, the young rabbi that's taking 12 guys and investing his life in them. And he knows that they're the ones that he's going to empower to be his heralders to the ends of the earth. And those are the ones that, that, that leave him at the, the moment he needed them and, and Judas betrays him, but they all ran. And, and in that moment, Jesus decides in the moment of suffering to pray. And Jesus, we see it again, even on the cross, he starts talking to his father. Father, what's the story? <laughs> Have you forsaken me? Even, even, even in the garden, father, if, it's, if it is possible, take this cup from me which I think we could even take that and go, all right, if Jesus, as our example, had moments where he said, hey, Father, could you take this hard circumstance? I think, I think it gives us license to be able to pray that prayer as well. You know the story that Jesus ends up saying, well, not my will be done, but yours. Sometimes the answer is no, but I think sometimes the answer is probably yes, if you'd pray. Like maybe that mountain would move if you would pray. Like maybe if you went in the midst of your suffering to God and said, God, take this cup from me. Is it possible? I think there's definitely times that like our savior, he says, this is, this is the journey that I want you to walk. This is the challenging valley, but I want you to walk it. But undoubtedly there's moments where it's what we talked about in chapter four, where you have not because you ask not. And so ask. And so here we've got Jesus as the ultimate example that we can look to of in the midst of suffering, he prays. And then James says, or are you cheerful? Then praise, then sing, declare, you are good. If you remember in chapter one, we talked in verse 17 about how James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And you know what? You have a lot of good gifts in your life. And one of the best things you can do in the midst of your day it's just like Pastor James says here, is go and say, all right, I may have X, Y, and Z that's not working out in my life right now, but hey, ABC is working out. And so God, I thank you because that's from you. Every, I praise you. I praise you, God, for fill in the blank. I praise you, God, that I live in this city. I praise you, God, that you saved me. I praise you that I have the word of God. I pray, you could just fill in the blank, but out of your heart begin to just praise. The point is, instead of looking at other things, it's easy when things are going good to just look at other people and say, hey, I celebrate, what, I celebrate the restaurant because it is God. I celebrate, I celebrate the sports team because they won or I celebrate and just talk about other, other things. But the idea is James is saying, God first, pray first. Like look to God first. If you, are, are you suffering or is it hard? Man, look to God first. Are things good? Man, look to God first. It's not an issue of only, it's an issue of order. Look to God first. Get your eyes on him. And that's, that's the idea we've got here is James saying. And then this last one, and this is one that is really, I think, valuable. Are you sick? Go to the elders of the church and have them pray. 
This is one of the things that, I don't know if you know this, but every single week, man, we have people down here up front and we'd love to pray for, for any healing, any sickness that you might have, asking God and, and believing God that he would heal. It's actually been one of the beautiful things. In the last six weeks, we have a prayer meeting every Wednesday night and there's been stories of people being healed and, and God working. It's another place where we gather together. And I think that the big idea here is, is go, go to God in the midst of your pain, whatever you've got. And I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you that there's nothing too small to go to God with, even, even in your, your physical body, believing God to heal you. Like sometimes it's easy just to give up, right? Sometimes we give up on the healing thing, right? You're like, hey man, <laughs> I've watched Christian TV too much to believe in that healing thing. Or you're like, mm, I don't know, I've prayed for such and such a miracle for 17 years and never seen it, therefore I'm done. Well, I wanna encourage you to not allow those hiccups in your heart those hurdles, those issues to hinder you from choosing to believe that God does heal. And you've got different camps in the body of Christ on this. You've got some in the body of Christ that will say, well, post the apostolic age, you know, there's no healing. God doesn't heal. That he healed through Jesus and through the apostles, but not anymore. Although in my view, when I read James 5, I find it intriguing that James is saying, tell you what, You've got Jesus heals, you've got the apostles that heal, but now James is saying the elders of the local church have them pray for you, which means it's, it's still in motion, everybody. He's, 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 he's still healing. In fact, just for fun, and this may not work out very well, I don't know, grand experiment, first year of a church plant, we may never do this question again, but let's try it. If you know someone, including yourself, who has ever been healed by God, just raise your hand. Let me see. Okay. Wow. Look around. I, there's some evidence to me, in addition to the word of God, that God is healing today. And so you do your part and let God do his part. Your part is to come to God and ask and believe. Now, there are other people in the body that go to the other side and they say, they say, well, God heals every time. And if there's not a miracle, if there's not a healing, then it's your fault. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't read and come to that conclusion. I think, I think that God is God. and Man, if you read the scriptures, there are times that it's just, it's just I mean, I, look, I, I know of people that are incredibly amazing and, and they, just, they just were never healed. The reality is, is that one day heaven will take place and everybody will be forever healed. But this ain't heaven, everybody. And so a part of our journey is I put my heart in God's hands. I trust him. I do my part. And sometimes God leans over the balcony of heaven and God says, healed. And whether I'm healed or not, God, I trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that you're God. And so men, even though, even though I don't get it, I'm not, I, I refuse to turn God into some sort of Coke machine, some kind of system where I could get what I want. No, my life is submitted to a perfect father who sees in a way that I cannot see. I have limited capacity. He is omniscient. He sees and knows all things. And so God, I trust you. And so with this healing scenario, man, I believe that you're still healing today. And so I'll do my part. 
And that's even a part of what James is hitting on here is James is saying, you, you take some initiative, like go to the elders, like go, don't, don't make them chase you down. You know, like you, you take some initiative. And, and so I wanna just encourage you to not give up on that miracle that you need, not give up on that healing. And I'll say this, I believe there are many that are sitting in this room that the Lord wants to use in prayer and healing for other people that currently that calling is laying dormant. Meaning that if you would, if you would exercise more of your time and more of your attention on God, help me to care, to pray for other people for physical healing and not just be consumed with fill in the blank, all the other things that you're busy with, you would experience far more enjoyment in your calling and God's use in your life by you praying for people and seeing them healed. And you can, you can get around people. Like I'm amazed just a moment ago when, when you guys raised your hands. There's an overwhelming majority that have stories God heals. So if that be true, if it be a reality that you really do know people that have been healed as a virtue, uh, as a result of you praying, my goodness, I think that's probably something worth investing our time in. That's, that's, worth, that's worth gathering together in homes together and saying, hey, we're gonna get together and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for the sick. We're gonna gather on Wednesday night. We're gonna, we're gonna, even at the end, before we go to Chili's today, we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna ask God, will you work a supernatural miracle at the end of service and will you heal so-and-so and, and intentionally going out of our way, making sure that we've done that. And so we as a church, without a doubt, we believe that yes, Jesus healed. We believe there's healing. When we read through the book of Acts, we believe that you read through Acts and there are even people that came to faith after the apostles and you see miracles you see James here, and this text alone is talking about going to the elders and asking for healing, and that over the last couple thousand years, he's been a healer, and he still heals. He's still healing. And so by all means, everybody, let's jump in and make that a part of our lives. Like, just let it be a refresher from Pastor James pastoring in Jerusalem today. Or not today. I'm pastoring here. James, a long time ago. Today, let's remember that. And lock in with, let's fight for it. Like, let's, let's let it be a part of our story. How beautiful if a part of the radiant story is story after story of God working supernaturally and touching people physically. All right, verse 16, we'll keep going. Then he says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one, one another that you may be healed. So the second big idea is pray for each other. So the first one is pray first. Second one is pray for each other. And this is, this, is, this is what happens. This is one of the things that, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so committed to small groups is because it's in the context of dialogue, face-to-face -face with other people that we're actually able to have conversation and open up. And James uses this language of, you'll be healed. In other words, you go to God first and then you go to other comrades, other people and confess sin and what, hap what happens is, is that you start to open yourself up to God and then you open yourself up to other people. And in the recipe of those two things, in that context, then, then you, you start to go through a healing process and you confess your sin. And, and, and here's one of the things that happens in, in a small group setting like that, or, or maybe, maybe it's just you and a mentor, 
But what happens is you, 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 there's this reality when you start to go, I, I'm, I'm not alone. Like, it's not just me. Like, he's got a struggle. He's got a struggle. And in that, they get, they get to pray for you and they get to connect with you. And, and so you've got, most of us have all these kind of secrets that, man, if you just allow those to exist and you don't, you don't confess them, they'll, they'll start to grow inside of you and it, it can, it'll hurt you. It'll destroy your life. It'll, it'll be this secret sin that, that messes you up. But if you intentionally step out and trust and you open up to God and then you open up to others, you start the healing process. You start a transformation process. And it's in that context that God starts to transform you and change you. And many of us, we have these secrets that are pressed down, that we don't talk about, and yet those are things that are hindering you, keeping you from walking in the fullness of what God has for your life. And so you're, you're, as, you're only as sick as your secrets. You've got to have someone, you've got to have a place where you open up and you're known. Because you are known by God, and as you're known in the context of other people that you trust, then you'll heal quicker. You'll be able to fulfill your destiny, what God's got for you in a more dynamic way. And you have those. And I wanna encourage you to step into those. Don't, don't allow those to just lay dormant and exist in you. That's why we're so committed to small groups. In fact, we're starting this summer small groups and we're gonna do just a six week quick you know, group, because we just, we, we wanna give people the opportunity to just not sit just in rows, but sit in circles and talk about it. So we had in Colorado, actually, um, we did a series in our college group and, and we, we call it, What's Your Secret? And uh, it was around James 5 here. And the idea was we just, we knew that people had these and they were not confessing them. They were not getting in groups. And so the idea was, let's give them a platform. Let's give them a method. Let's give them an opportunity to anonymously confess the secret and just start a process where they're getting real with themselves and they're getting real with God in hopes that it'll just start that up, that they could be honest with where they're really at. And it was amazing because being able to be anonymous, the things that, there's about a thousand college kids and the things that they, were, that they wrote were the things you would expect. I just wrote down a few of them just so you could kind of identify. I feel like God forgot to give me a purpose. Another one wrote, I cheated on almost all of my exams in college. Another one wrote, I constantly compare myself to others. Another one, I can't forgive my dad for not being there for me. And here's the big idea, guys. I wanna invite you to consider the men's group, the women's group, the small group, the mentor scenario, the relationship with others where you come and you just do what James talks about right here, where you just say, all right, I'm gonna confess my sin and pray for one another. Take James at his word that there, there, there might be true healing in my heart. One of the things that's been real for me is I, I'm, in, I'm in an accountability group with about six other pastors. That's the most expensive accountability group in the history of my life. Because once a year, we all fly in at our own expense. And for two days, all we do is confess our sin and pray for each other. <laughs> we don't golf. We don't read a book. Here's what we do. We eat and pray and confess sin. It's an exciting time. 
But here's one of the things that's happened for me in that group. In that group, I'm able to, to, to be really, really real and really, really honest. And in that context, actually face things that I, I don't even know that I, I would just pretend like it wasn't really there. I would just kind of cover it up. And so I want to invite you. It is in this place of getting around others that you can begin to grow in healing. All right, let's keep going. Verse 17. This is, he starts talking about Elijah. Play, uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently, love that word fervently, that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Okay, so here's Elijah. Elijah's obviously one of the heroes in Jewish history. And here's James, and he's pulling on a, a hero. He's, he's pulling on someone that they would just be absolutely fascinated with as a man of God. Someone that in the Jewish mind is larger than life. Like this morning, I was, we were setting up doing church in, getting everything ready, and Joel Montgomery, he's two years old, he comes running up to me and gives me a big hug, cutest little kid you've ever seen, two years old, this is just today, and he looks at me and he goes, I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. Right? In fact, yesterday, my son Justice, he's seven, and Justice had a friend over and they yelled at Alexa, Alexa, play Batman. And in my house yesterday was da -na 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 -na. And those two seven-year-old boys were running our house and they were pretending to be Batman, all right? Now, if you're a Jewish little boy, back then you are, I'm Elijah. It's the same equivalent, meaning they would look at him and go, Elijah called down fire from heaven. Elijah, whoo, he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it did not rain. He prayed that it would rain and it did rain. I mean, he was confronting the prophets of Baal. I mean, Elijah, whoo. I mean, do you know that he left in a chariot of fire? Elijah, I mean, it would have been like, Ooh, Elijah is hot. Elijah's the superhero. Elijah's the man. Elijah would have been on lunchboxes. Elijah would have been on thermoses. I mean, Elijah would have been the Xbox game. Elijah was the guy. And so James is looking at the guy that they would be like, wow. And then he makes this phrase, hey, Elijah is a man just like us. Elijah's a man just like you. The power was not in Elijah. The power was in God. What's the scenario? Elijah prayed. You pray fervently like Elijah prayed fervently and guess what happens? Miracles happen. And that's the idea is Elijah's just coming alive. Or, uh, he, Elijah's got the prayer Elijah's going for it. Elijah sees miracle. And Pastor James is looking at people that probably just like you and I have a tendency to say, well, they're special. They're different, right? I've got a great dad. Very easy for me to say, well, I can't do it. He's dad. He's just, I mean, he can get up at 5 a.m. and spend 48 hours with the Lord in the first 30 minutes. And he's the only person I know that fasts for 41 days and three days. I mean, he's just, it's just him, right? But here's what I'm doing when, I, sorry, you won't like that. I know you don't, but it's making my point. But what I'm making, <laughs> the, the idea would be, he's, yeah, he's actually a man just like me. The idea is, is will you give yourself fervently and, and, and engage in prayer 
And here's the big idea. Elijah's got nothing on you. Elijah's got nothing on you. And the temptation is to say, yeah, right. He's Elijah. Okay, pull back. It's not me saying it. It's James saying it. And just embrace that. Wait a minute. Okay, God. I am redeemed human being. I'm a believer. I've said yes. Christ inside of me. He said that when I pray, when I ask, when I seek, when I knock, I'll receive. All right. And I'm going to engage in this prayer life, this fervent prayer life. Elijah's got nothing on me. That's my prayer for us. My prayer for us is that we would forever be a praying church. We would be a church that just, just believes like little children, just like little kids. That's, that's the amazing thing. The amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus was, was encouraging to pray like little kids. And we, we so want to, we, we don't want to be little kids. We want to be professors, right? We, we, we want to understand it. We want to have the PhD in how it all works. And if we can figure out how it all works, because we got the PhD in how God works, then we'll do it. The problem is, he says to come like a child. He says to come with faith. And the reality is, is when you, a created being, are coming before an uncreated God who is omnipotent and omniscient, he says, trust me. A part of the journey of this thing called prayer is not that you are able to articulate exactly how God uses created, finite human beings to make a difference. It's that you trust him, that he said he would, and that he is. And so God, I don't know how this works. I don't know how you're using just this little prayer of when I'm driving down the road and I feel like I'm going through suffering and I get the phone call that I didn't get the job, that I got, that I got fired, that I got demoted. And instead of looking at other things, I just take that suffering and I just take it to you. I don't know how you're using that, but you are. I don't know how you're using the fact that when I'm gonna praise you instead of looking towards something else to praise when things are going good, but I'm gonna trust that you're using that. And in every circumstance, we pray first. In every circumstance, you just go, I'm, I'm coming after you. All right, and then we'll finish this up uh, and we'll finish up the text. Finally, Verse 19, my brothers, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, here's the thing that I find intriguing about how James concludes his letter is that you've got James and he's the little brother of Jesus and James it brings it all back to people, right? Like Jesus did. Like Jesus is about to leave his disciples and in summation, he looks at them and says, therefore go into the world, make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you for surely I'm with you to the end of time. And Jesus takes it all back towards, I'm about people, I came for people. James does the same thing as he concludes his book here. He's talking about prayer and then he says, and then, all right, let's bring it all back. Go after, go after those that are wandering. I, I, I encourage you, I wanna invite you guys. Go chase down those wanderers. Oh, the dignity of the person that is able to take the brokenhearted, disconnected, disillusioned person with God. I think, I think that James has got a pastor's heart. I think James is 
in summation, in conclusion, starting to just kind of think how he's going to end, and I think his heart hurts. He goes, oh, those guys that at one time they were all in, and now they're not all in. Someone go chase them down. Eternal destinies are at stake. And friends, that's why being the church is really pivotal. Because church can never be entertainment on Sundays and a religious thing that we do because we're good people. It has got to be a vibrant, real relationship with Jesus that's real and he's what we talk about. He's the one that we run to. And man, man, when things are hard, suffering, we go to God first. And man, when things are really good, we go to him first. And man, when we're sick, we go to him first. And, and then it's, it's real enough that we're not, it's not, it's, it is Jesus and me, but then we take it and it's, it's Jesus and we. It's, it's like God's doing something among us. And you're not just being a disciple, you're actually pulling some people with you. You're saying, okay, open up. Have a little small group. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be beautiful to have small groups that were just James 5 small groups. What do we do in this small group? <laughs> we just confess our sin and pray. <laughs> I thought we were gonna like exegetically work through the book of Habakkuk. Nope, nope, nope. We're leaving that <laughs> for Nathan. <laughs> Here's what we do in this small group. We drink good coffee, we confess our sin, and we pray for each other. That small group works at Radiant Church, for real. In fact, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's the kind of small groups that's really helped me. And so I wanna invite you just, man, put God first, go to him, have a real relationship with him. That's what Pastor James says. Connect with real people, I mean, connect. Have people, I know it's hard to open up to others. It's easy to open up to God because God's always good and people are always not. I mean, people are not always kind. And you can open up to God, but sometimes it's hard to open up and trust. And you've been burned before, and so it's hard to open up again. Well, welcome to Christianity. God, because here's the reality you're actually called to make disciples. And it's actually not, not like optional. <laughs> I know, that's hard to hear. Cause here's what we like. Hey, it's hard enough just for me to like pray a little prayer, and read my Bible a little bit, and stay saved. Okay, all right, that's, that might be where you're at today. But have a dream for your heart that where you're going is more than that. Like you got a dream, you got a dream to be you're a dad, you got a dream to be 72 and you're, you've been leading people for years and years. There's a lot of people that are closer to Jesus as a result of the fact that you walked planet earth. You look back in your wake and you've discipled a lot of wanderers, a lot of people that would have just said, I'm gonna punt on Christianity, I'm done, I'm out. But you said, going after him. And what it looks like in our context, hey, text, give me a Starbucks, let's just talk. That's chasing down the wanderers. And we've got, we've got men and women in, that are already doing that in this church. I, I see it all the time. I mean, these guys in this video that we just showed, man, a bunch of them, they're just, they're, they're, they're guys in their 50s that are just chasing down 22-year-old guys and saying, hey, you're making a bad choice here. Let's talk, come on. 
But man, Pastor James is like, guess what? It's quite the privilege to rescue them. It's quite the privilege. Chase them down. Go get those wanderers. And it's really a call on our church. We're gonna go after them. There's, there's, there's thousands of people that have a knowledge of a God that exists, but they have no relationship. And they don't talk accurately about God because they don't know God. And it's part of our calling as a church to, to put James right at the core. James is just active. It's like, it's like action book. I mean, it's like, go pray. Go win people to Christ. Go step out in faith. Go pray for healing. Go confess your sins. It's like, do, do, go, go, go. And I don't know about you, but man, I, I wanna be a church like that. I just don't wanna stand before God and be like, I had it all in my head, but I didn't see it in my life. Man, if he says pray, let's gather together and pray on Wednesday nights. Let's pray in, pray in small groups across the city and let's just do it. If he says, go chase down the wanderers, let's go chase down the wanderers. If he says, confess your sins to each other, then let's, as painful as it is, man, go sit on the plaza with a couple people with $5 coffee, confess your sin, pray for each other. And the, the fancy coffee and the cool environment will help it go down a little bit better. <laughs> but it's still biblical. It doesn't have to be miserable. It can be biblical without being miserable. Just do whatever it takes. All right, I'm getting silly. Let's stand and we'll pray together. Jesus, we just love you today. Father, we ask. God, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to live out what we read. Help this to just be our story. And we need divine help, God, because it's hard to live out. But we ask that you would help us, God. We know you will. And I pray for my friends today. Strengthen them with might in their inner man. Fill them with the very work, the very presence, the very activity of God, that God-like things, the activity that God has called us to would not be the religious, miserable duty that I do to prove that I love God, but man, let it be the joy and delight of our hearts because we're close to a real person and so we love that person. We wanna to talk to Jesus. And we run to you in every situation we look to you first. Man, we wanna chase them down, God. Man, we wanna be real Christians. I pray for my friends today. Pray that these realities would go deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To learn more and to join our Radiant family, check us out on social media and online at radiantchurchkc.com.